It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. It's time to talk cars in your weekly automotive experience. I'm Nick Miles with the pit crew here of Megan, Ryan, Jen, and Chris. And we have an exciting show for you today. We are going to have some very talented people on the show, including Doug Newcomb, who is the president and founder of the C3 Group. Doug is probably one of the most experienced educators on autonomous cars. Where are we? Are they here yet? Why can't I buy one today? Those questions will be asked of Doug. We'll also tell you about uh, what's going on in the autonomous car world because our crazy scientist uh, Anton Woolman will be here, the guy that knows all about uh, Teslas and the latest in car development, and Cole Young joining us to talk about the new Toyota Avalon, which is in its fifth generation, designed in Michigan, built in Kentucky, as we all know. Uh, he'll tell us what that car's going to have in store. This week, Ryan and I uh, took a little trip to Los Angeles to drive the brand new Jeep Cherokee, which uh, is, I guess, a second version of the car. They have bolded the grill up. It's become more mature more luxury but still has that jeep off-road technology you know the first question ryan i have is do you think people care about off-roading in their mid-size cuv no they don't see jeep says that more of their people that drive their cuvs off-road than any other brand so those people that are going to off-road are going to buy a jeep i think it's very capable i mean really if they're going to put a jeep badge on something it's going to be super capable right you had fun filming it but you crashed your drone didn't you ryan <laughs> so there's all kinds of apparently stipulations when you fly a drone and all these rules and i was i was following all of them very well and then i just crashed into the side of a hill and then and then this very nice lady she is on the road show. I'm not right. going to give out any Amy names. Hall. Oh, okay, Amy we'll give Hall out a name. Okay. She hit it. She just ran into it with her Jeep. She <laughs> said, I don't know if you're trying to get a good shot or not. And she just ran into it. And we're going to have the footage online here soon. So we'll have a nice crash video. Yeah, you can see that at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, Amy Hall from uh, CNET and the road show rode over our drone in her car. Actually, it's technically Ryan's drone, I guess. Names were dropped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the It's interesting because Ryan actually told me that the guy at the store told him to take the safeties off because it was easier to fly. That was a bad idea, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're filming cars, the uh, the real caveat is don't take the safeties off, otherwise your drone get run over by a Jeep. This is the third time I flew it, so I'm not like a professional pilot, but I was also off-road course. We were out on where they filmed MASH, so it's very mountainous, and I was at the maximum distance away, so I couldn't even see the thing. I was flying blind. Yeah, it just seems like excuses. That's all I'm hearing. All this right. is why I crashed my drone. Love, love all Ryan. Right. All right. So that's, that's it. Uh, but all right, let's get back to the Jeep. You enjoyed it? Yeah, Jeep was amazing. The new Cherokee is still a refresh, but it's still much better this year. Uh, everything in front of the A-pillar has changed. Mm -hmm. The new technology has changed, and the colors on the inside have changed, too. Are the colors on the inside of the car Important. Does it have a third row? That's what's important. No, it doesn't have a third row uh, yet. The third row Jeep's coming this year. The colors are important. Yeah, that's what I said. The colors are important, Nobody right? wants an ugly car. No, the interior colors have changed. Uh, they took pictures of several areas in the world, like Iceland and Morocco, Marrakesh and Morocco, and they used the colors out of the photographs to do design colors on the inside. But nobody will, I mean, hardly anyone's been there, so. What do you mean? Everybody knows now because I just told them. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody. Everybody's listening. What color do you think of when you think of Morocco? Yellow. Bright blue. Is that what color it was? It's yellow. Yellow it was, and blue? <laughs> it was It was different color. It was sandstone, It was multicolored. It was like red, blue, and pink. And what? There's no pink color. on the inside of the car? Are we thinking about the same car? Pink on the inside. We're talking about the inside. Yeah, Morocco. 
What was you pink? You said what colors do we think of, right? Was the Jeep pink? What are we even talking about? <laughs> the Jeep, Jeep Cherokee. It was beiges, browns, blondes, and yellows on the inside, which yeah. is the sandstone from Morocco. The beach okay. color. They, I remember. I like it. And I like the way that Jeep do that when they design the inside of their cars. If you really like what you listen to on Our Auto Expert on the radio, there's a whole world of other Our Auto Expert material. All you have to do is go to our website where you can find comprehensive reviews of the vehicles that you've been listening to here. You can also see some very interesting vehicles that you don't normally get to see, and including motorcycle reviews. All right, that's all coming up on the show. Plus, I've got to drive the new uh, Tourex, which is the wagon from Buick. It's back. We'll talk about that on the show. That's when we come back. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines, and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. You're listening to America's Automotive Radio Show, keeping you connected with the hottest vehicles on the market. And uh, Doug Mukerman is joining us. He is the president and founder of the C3 Group and uh, writes for Forbes. He talks about autonomous vehicles. Uh, Doug, the one question that all of our team get asked more than any other is when will we have an autonomous car? (laughs) Well, that's the question. That's the question everybody wants to know, Nick. You know, I would say we already have them. I mean, they're already on the roads. They're already testing. You know, I drove, it's not an autonomous car, but I drove the Cadillac Super Cruise system uh, 700 miles, 11 hours in the car from Dallas to Santa Fe, and I touched a wheel maybe 45 minutes out of that. It's just a matter of, one, I think consumer acceptance, people saying, okay, I get it, and then there's a lot of other issues to figure out, mainly legal and policy, um, but, you know, it's coming. I mean, I, I would say it's here. As far as when people will be in autonomous cars, I think we're going to see it by 2020, 2021. I mean, uh, people like Google are saying they're going to have vehicles available. I mean, Google's already testing vehicles, giving people rides. I think one of the things that I, I'm sort of most interested in is people's fear of this. So J.D. Power and Associates uh, had a stat out there that most people uh, are afraid of autonomous cars because they don't understand them. And then you see things this right. week like Ford saying, we're going to introduce an autonomous police car. They've just uh, filed for a patent, which will automatically pull you over and get your driver's license details and write you a ticket. That doesn't do an awful lot to make people <laughs> want autonomous cars, does it? <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know what, Nick? I was talking to someone about this recently. Pretty much any new technology people have been afraid of. I, I was doing some research for a story once, and they thought when trains first came out that, and literally, this is the truth, they thought high speed, any Anything over 20 miles an hour, anything over the speed of a horse running, they thought women's uteruses would fly out of their bodies. I'm not <laughs> kidding. It's like there was, there was, they thought that, that, that the human body was not equipped to handle high speeds. So I think anytime you have a new technology come around, there's a lot of fear around it. But I think that once people understand the technology, and I'll tell you what's interesting. I see these surveys where people say, oh, I don't want autonomous cars. I don't want the car to drive for me. But then I see surveys about people that want lane-keeping assist, you know, the car that keeps you between the lanes, uh, adaptive cruise, blind spot, all these, you know, um, uh, board collision prevention with automatic autonomous braking. It's like 80%. People say, yeah, I want that. Guess what? Those are all the technologies that 
make cars drive themselves. Now, you're making a career out of self-driving cars, clearly because the C3 group is all about future technology. Uh, what, what does the C3 mm-hmm. group actually do? Well, the C3 group, I uh, often get asked that question. We do conferences, uh, consulting, and content. So we do a, a, a series of conferences around the country at South by Southwest in New York, uh, South by Southwest in Austin. We also do work with the New York Auto Show. We do an event in San Francisco as well as in D.C. We also work with other organizations, too, to help them put together conferences. We also do consulting in the conference business and other things. Uh, and then I do a lot of content. I write for a lot of different folks, like you mentioned, Ford, uh, do a column for Autoblog, write for Automobile Magazine. So very, very busy these days. A very exciting time in the space. Now, we're looking at some of those car companies like uh, Audi, for instance, and Uber, who seem to be closer with autonomous cars than anybody else. So we know that Uber is testing some stuff on the East Coast. We know that Audi has done some drives between LA and or San Francisco and Las Vegas. Uh, these these companies. Do you think that we will have driverless cars by 2021, like Uber taxis? I know that the University of Michigan is about to introduce an autonomous bus that goes around their campus. So we're pretty close to having this sort of unified transport on the road that is autonomous, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And in, and in Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, along with AAA and a company called uh, uh, um, Colois, if I got it uh, pronounced right, they're operating an autonomous um, shuttle in Las Vegas. And I think they're going to be expanding it. At CES, recently, Lyft and a company called Aptiv that used to be Delphi were, were offering people uh, from CES rides in an autonomous Lyft. So, you know, the, the technology is out there now. So what do we think uh, as far as uh, cars coming to market in dealerships? I'm going to say that question for one second. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Doug Newcomb. He is uh, the founder of the C3 group. They're all about autonomous. And uh, when we come back, Doug can answer the question, do we think autonomous cars will be in dealerships? by 2021. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. On the phone with Doug Newcomb, he is the founder and president of the C3 Group, who are really educators on autonomous vehicles. Uh, Doug, Megan has a question, so Megan, fire your question away. If you get in an autonomous car that to take you somewhere, is there a driver in the car as well? That's a good question, Doug. Does it have to have a driver? Well, right now you do. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of laws say that there has to be someone behind the wheel. I know California had that law, and I think they amended it, if I'm not mistaken, because a lot of through a lot of pressure from Google and some automakers and things, saying, "Hey, we can't really test this this technology without uh, you know with, with these stringent laws in place." Um, I give you an example. Google now is testing fully autonomous vehicles without someone behind the wheel. They're only doing it with their employees right now, but I think their intention is to offer it to the public. Uh, they did that with um, with a recent trial where they have someone behind the wheel, uh, and you could, you know, you know, if you're part of this uh, trial period as a consumer, you can call up and get a ride. I think their next stage is to have some someone completely not behind the wheel. The vehicle that I mentioned earlier um, in Las Vegas, it's an autonomous shuttle. There is no one 
There isn't even an operator. Uh, the, the, the thing's completely autonomous. And I think that's where we're going. I mean, it's, people call it robo-taxis, you know, where you'll call up this car and it'll pick you up and drop you off where you want to go. Um, um, I think that that's where we're headed. Now, as far as insurance is concerned, who is going to be billed when someone gets hurt in one of these vehicles? Is it going to be the automaker? Is it going to be Uber? Is it going, do you know any information into that? Sure, sure. In fact, Volvo and Mercedes-Benz, maybe some others since then, but I know Volvo and Mercedes-Benz have said, we will take full responsibility. If, if one of our autonomous vehicles crashes, we will be liable. I mean, and I think that says a lot about how much uh, faith they have in this technology. Do you think that uh, companies like Waymo and, uh, um, and Apple will end up being uh, players in this autonomous car vehicle or will it just be infrastructure? Will they have vehicles or will it be much more the software that runs them? You know, it's a that, that's like the you know sixty four billion dollar question. Um, which, by the way, I just did a story. There's been eighty four billion dollars invested in the space in the last five years, probably even more now. So I think that that gives you an idea of the stakes uh, at play here. But I think that you know no one knows, and I, I really feel like Google. Uh, Uber and others, I think it's really about the data, you know, getting the data about where you're going, when you're going, uh, how often you go there, you know, all these things. Think about Google, you know, how they make their money on the web by your search. When you're in a car, you're usually searching for something or driving somewhere. So I think that, you know, we're definitely going to see you know, and that, the, why is why is Waymo pouring all this this money and Google pouring all this money into this technology? Uh, John Kraftcheck said at uh, LA Auto Show for the first time, one is for um, autonomous ride sharing, another one is to develop the platform of the software, as you mentioned. Uh, and I can't remember the other two, but it's clear that they. Oh, the other one. One of the other ones was autonomous trucking. We're going to see that if they can get rid of the driver. Uh, for trucking, then that's going to save them a huge amount of money. Doug, we're, um, we're so running out of time. That, I'd love to talk to you for hours more because there's so much to this subject. <laughs> uh, where can people find out more is. about the C3 Group? Sure, they can uh, find more at, at c3group.com. Doug Newcomb, uh, the president founder of C3 Group and uh, Autonomous Cars. We probably need to spend a whole hour with you, Doug. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. You're listening to America's Automotive Radio Show, keeping you connected with the automotive stuff. And Jen, uh, you've been working on some fun facts. Yes, first fun fact uh, for the Avalon that was actually rolled off of the TMMK line in Georgetown, Kentucky in 1994. So the Avalon's been around a fifth generation, I think, was unveiled at uh, the Detroit show just recently. Uh, And joining us on the phone is Cole Young. Uh, Cole, talk to us a little bit about this new Avalon, because uh, a lot of people think that the Avalon should be part of the Lexus lineup because it's just so luxurious. 
Sure. Yeah. No, Nick. And, and thanks for having me on. Um, and, and yeah, as, as Jen had mentioned, you know, coming into the fifth generation of Avalon and over the years, and, and we're really excited to bring such a great market to the segment to help revitalize it. And, you know, when we when we take a look at how it stacks up to our, our current Avalon that's in market, I mean, almost everything is changing. You know, we're looking at new sheet metal, uh, you know, aluminum hood, uh, new design, new technology and performance features, again, all brought to life through the new TNGA platform, uh, similar to all of the uh, the changes and enhancements that the all-new Camry went through uh, this past year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about its competition because the large E-Class sedans, which I think it sits in, these big sedans, have uh, really not been refreshed by car companies, yet the Avalon continues to be quite a winner for Toyota. You know, it has been. And, uh, you know, the, the competitors that are still in the segment are, are very strong. Uh, again, they, they bring great products to the table as well. But, uh, you know, in looking at Avalon, we do have a very loyal customer base and, and the Toyota buyer is, is very loyal. So a lot of people are going to SUVs. They're moving into large SUVs, out of cars, out of uh, things like the Chrysler 300 and the Kia Cadenza, uh, the Buick LaCrosse, which are its direct competition. Uh, do you think there's a future for the size of car that Avalon is? I mean, clearly it's you've done an amazing job in reinventing this this vehicle, but do you think this, uh, this segment is going to grow? Yeah, that's a great question, Nick. And yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the industry as a whole is seeing a lot of success in the SUV, CUV, and truck segments. Uh, but, you know, Toyota does pride itself on being a full-line manufacturer, and we will continue to push the limits to innovate and help grow the sedan segment. I think when you take a look at Camry in a similar segment in terms of inflow outflow that's been seen over the past few years, you know, it still was able to achieve the number one selling car, and that's for the 16th straight year. And coming off the best quarter of Camry sales we've ever had, I think that shows that there's an appetite within the sedan segment. Again, as long as some uh, performance and design and technology features are being presented uh, that the customer base is looking for. What's uh, what's bold about this new uh, new Avalon? What makes people? What's going to make people sit up and listen? Sure. So one thing that's really coming through with this full model change is that we now have very clear differentiation between our premium models, which is the XLE Unlimited, versus the sport models that we have in the XSE, which is the base sport, and our Touring, which is the premium sport model. So XSE and Touring sport models offer uh, piano black accents throughout the exterior. Uh, I believe you were in Detroit, and hopefully you had a chance to see uh, the Touring uh, and, and the Limited, for that matter, to get a better understanding. But uh, the the sport mesh grille, the rear spoiler, quad exhaust tips, uh, you know, paddle shifters, aluminum pedals. These are a lot of sport features that you really would not expect uh, in an Avalon. Now, I know looking at some of the technology involved in this vehicle, uh, the technology took a huge leap forward as well as the design. Uh, you did something interesting with the LED lights, didn't you? We did. Yes, I think that's probably one of the more exciting features, you know, in taking a look at the exterior. Um, the headlamps, yes, especially in our high grades, are bringing several Toyota First to market. Uh, all LED. Uh, the DRLs are LED as well. Uh, again, for our top-of-the-line models. Uh, and also includes the metal there inside the bezel area is actually laser-etched in a diagonal design uh, surrounding the LED lights to bring forth a very unique look. Definitely from a design point of view, it's uh, extremely good-looking. All right, Carl, when we come back, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the inside because uh, as well as updating the outside, the inside got a massive makeover, and uh, you guys have given it some very high-class materials. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how we're going to power this new vehicle because there's nothing uh, like a big car that has lots of power. When we're talking uh, about the brand-new Toyota Avalon, and that's more of that when we come back.
If you want to see some of the coverage from America's top automotive shows like L.A., Detroit, Chicago, and New York, you can find all of that at OurAutoExpert.com. You can see the cars as they're unveiled, and you can also get an in-depth look at some of the vehicles that we don't have time to talk about here on the radio show. That's all at the website, OurAutoExpert.com. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. We're talking to Cole Young a little bit about the brand new uh, Toyota Avalon, designed in Michigan, built in Kentucky, the fifth generation of the car. Uh, Cole, I want to talk to you a little bit about the interior. Now, you have something that's listed as Yamaha wood. I, I thought Yamaha's made pianos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I guess they offer a, a number of uh, products across multiple industries. But yes, for our for our limited grade, we have been able to bring in a Yamaha sourced wood. Uh, it's definitely reiterating that that sense of craftsmanship and authentic materials uh, that, that we're going for, uh, especially within the the limited grade. Uh, when you take a look at our Touring and our XSE grades, uh, they'll offer uh, real metal accents and aluminum trim as well. So uh, on the inside, what's changed on, on the new one? Because we were just talking in the break in the studio here um, and we were everyone was saying they really liked the Avalon as it was but in inside you you've updated all the materials haven't you they, they really have um, and again I think the the limited kind of rises to the top when you take a look at uh, some of the the key highlights uh, so the, the two-tone stitching and the quilted design pattern with the premium leather and the organic perforations I think that's been able to turn a lot of heads up to this point uh, and then that, that cognac interior color like I don't know if you had a chance to see that at Detroit or through some of our reveal elements but that will be a color that is exclusive to limited and uh, again when you take a look at the lineup I think it's definitely something that goes really well with the thoughtful design of the stitching as well when you mentioned uh, yeah, when you mentioned cognac everybody's ears peaked up here in the studio <laughs> it is actually a great, <laughs> it is it is a great color um there's an interesting vibe here with toyota okay you used to make very sensible straightforward cars but the designs for toyota it's almost like the designers went crazy in the last couple of years uh the cars have got so high-end on the inside uh toyota and lexus cars as a group have got so high-end on the inside and this really bridges the gap between lexus and toyota doesn't it i think to a degree it does uh, you know what i think works really well when you take a look at the different sedans whether it be from from camry to avalon ps i mean we're all kind of pushing each other you know camry did a great job of setting the bar this past year and I think you know from an engineering and a design perspective they knew what they were up against and they really had to you know bring some things to market that kind of keeps Avalon in that elevated base and I can't really speak to anything that ES is doing in the future but I'm sure they're really working hard to raise that bar as well. All right let's talk about powering this vehicle because there's nothing like a slug large car but you you guys are out of that slug ballpark aren't you you've you've uh, you've given it a 3.5 liter engine at least. Yeah and uh, so yeah the the V6 uh, similar powertrain um, that that the all-new Camry has. Again, we're going to be revealing some more information regarding powertrain here in a couple of months, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a strong engine, and, you know, hybrid is going to do a fantastic job for us as well. And, uh, you know, from a performance perspective, uh, when we take a look at uh, our Touring grade specifically, um, in addition to powertrain, the suspension, you know, with the Touring, uh, it will carry a Sport Plus mode, uh, which will activate the adaptive variable suspension system, uh, which, as you know, offers, you know, real-time damping 
through the shock absorbers based on driver preference, but also uh, real-time road conditions. So you're going to have a 2.5 liter, and it looks like a, 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 the electric motor will have the nickel metal hydride battery inside. Uh, will it? Will there be a plug-in version? So at this time, uh, it's not currently planned to have a plug-in version, um, but it is the new hybrid M2, and again, all you know, brought to live through the TNGA platform, uh, and we're really excited to see how that comes to market and to continue to serve the hybrid customer. All right, Cole, thank you for joining us today uh, with some more information about the Avalon. Um, I will expect one in my driveway as soon as you let me test drive one. Is that work for you? <laughs> Sounds great, Nick. Let's stay in touch, and uh, we'll definitely get you behind the wheel. Excellent. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. So I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about um, the, the new Avalon. Megan really loves it. Do you love it? I like the bold Jim? new look of it, yes. You like the bold new look. What about you guys? Chris? Ryan? I think it looks pretty cool. Ryan, are you an Avalon fan? I love the Avalon. I love Toyota. I'm a big fan of the Avalon because I love Toyota. I just think it's a good brand because they don't fix things that aren't broken. Right, the Avalon uh, full-size luxury car. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk uh, about some of the other new cars that are on the market. And we'll talk about test driving a wagon, which I did in Arizona this week. Here's the interesting thing I want to ask you. Minivan? SUV or wagon? I know Megan's going to be no minivans for me, but we'll ask that question when we return on our auto expert. Also, we're going to be talking to Anton Wallman. He is our uh, technical advisor for all things investment, electric, and all future sciences. Now, we barely get time to talk about motorcycles, but we do have a comprehensive motorcycle section on our website. You'll find the motorcycle information at ourautoexpert.com on the web. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to the second hour of our show. I'm Nick Miles, our crew in the studio, Jen, Megan, Chris, and Ryan. Uh, we're talking about some of the new vehicles. Now, I got to spend some time in Sedona, Arizona, where at this time of the year it gets very cold at night, but it's an adventure capital for Arizona. A lot of people do hiking, mountain biking, and so we went on this trip with Buick and people went hiking and biking for the weekend. And I started to look at how wagons and minivans and SUVs work within our lives. I am not a big fan of minivans. I understand that they have a place in the earth. I am an okay fan of SUVs. I kind of like big SUVs, uh, stuff like the Suburban, uh, QX80, big vehicles but i really do love wagons there are about five wagons available in the united states bmw have a couple mercedes have one uh, volvo have one uh, there are uh, several uh, vws actually one vw and one subaru if you count the forester as a wagon but the thing is the outback is almost an SUV now. It's got so tall. I parked one next to my dad's uh, Toyota Sienna, and it was the same height. 
Let's talk about minivans first of all. Uh, Megan, SUV, minivan, or a wagon? Personally, I'd rather have an SUV. I drive a minivan, though, because I've got three kids. And, I mean, it's an ideal car. If you have little kids, they can get in and out of the car by themselves. But you hate having to walk your dates to the minivan, don't you? Yes, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Help me. Would you prefer walking your date to a wagon? Um, I mean, I do love Volvo. Which which Volvo is considered a wagon? So the uh, the Vs. So the V90 and the V60 are wagons from Volvo. Um, so they're bigger cars. But to me, there's a lot of reasons why wagons, 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 why wagons are cooler. You can also load stuff on and off the roof. So if you tried to put a roof rack on your minivan and load up bicycles, how would you get those on and off the roof? Whereas a wagon, it's shoulder height. Well, that, that is a problem with my minivan. So I do have a roof rack. And you know how many times I've used it? Once. <laughs> because can... essentially it's unusable. I don't have the upper body strength to shove stuff up there. And so, but, Jen, <laughs> but Jen's going to say, Jen's going to say, she's going to say, uh, why not have a truck? Because you could throw it in the bed, right? Yeah, but it rains so much here. So get a, get a, what is it called? A, a lid for the truck? Every a time. cover. Every yeah. time I've taken a road trip in a truck, it has poured rain. And then when I get to the hotel, I've got to dry all the clothes. You need a tonneau cover. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. So a tonneau cover in the back or a, yeah, a hard shell. Is that what I, I'm not Canopy. a truck guy. Canopy. Canopy. That's it. Canopy for your truck. So no, canopy's not good, Jen? No. What? What are you talking about? No, I'm a tonneau cover girl. Oh, you want it flat? See, I I'm, I got think a truck. You want it to look like a truck. You don't want it to look like an SUV. They get I'm, an SUV. I'm a little bit with Jen on this because you think about this. If you get a truck and you put a, a canopy on the back, it almost becomes an SUV. Oh, Chris wants to talk. How, how are you going to put a bike in that, though? Oh, in the back of a truck? No, in the flat well, cover. It would fit if you were lying down. Lay it down on its side. By that time... What? It's not hard. hard. It's hard to lay it back down. I have fit five bicycles into my minivan inside. Well, you have three kids and there's you. Well, there used to be another person. Oh, we got rid of him. (laughs) Megan's single, everybody. That's the second time she's announced it. (laughs) Clearly SUV for you or a wagon. I just love wagons. I mean, look at the wagons, the BMW 3 Series, the 5 Series, the E-Class, the Volvos. Now the Buick Touregs. Uh, your Subaru with their Outback, which is arguably an SUV. Uh, via VW have their Jetta wagon, sport wagon. I mean, the I golf. like. Yeah, well, the Golf's a hatch, it's probably a more. Hatch? Yeah, it's considered a hatch because it's like a sloping back. But I love the idea of a wagon. I'm just saying, I I would buy a wagon probably before I bought a sedan. Nobody That's wants a... to drive a station wagon, Nick. No, nope. argue. Unless you remember the 70s, you don't. The green pant wood pant. Ah, you see, that's what we're talking about. The Brady Bunch car. The Brady Bunch car is not what wagons are like. They're sporty, sexy. You can see baguettes in the back now. You see very wonderful (laughs) European ladies who wear Lululemon pants driving wagons with yoga mats. That's the image of a wagon (laughs) projects to me. (laughs) I believe a wagon is sexier than an SUV. No. You've lost your mind. One vote. Minivan, wagon, SUV. SUV. Minivan, wagon. Chris? SUV. Minivan. Oh, really? Go for it. Hashtag van life. <laughs> uh, when our auto expert returns, we'll be talking more about the trips that we've taken over the last uh, few weeks and talking about some upcoming vehicles. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. 
You're listening to America's Automotive Radio Show, keeping you connected with the automotive world. So I was mentioning in the last break, I spent the week up in the mountains in Sedona in Arizona, test driving this new 2018 Buick Regal Torex. Starting at $30,000, this is an SUV going to get around 29 miles a gallon. It has an eight-speed automatic all-wheel drive. One of the tests that these guys did was they put the vehicle on rollers except for one wheel. And then they tried to pull it off of the rollers by just using the traction from one wheel. Because it has a clutch in the rear axle, it was able to switch the power just to the wheel that had traction and was able to pull off the rollers. They can't do that in its competitors. They had a Volvo on the rollers the other side, and the Volvo can't switch the power from one wheel to the other. The other thing about the vehicle is it has lots of cool uh, technology on the inside, including an 8-speed automatic transmission, wireless charging for your car. Uh, that, that engine in the inside is a 2.0 liter turbocharged engine. It also has a lot of other things like the OnStar system. I want to ask you, a lot of car companies now are starting to introduce things like OnStar. 4G LTE from OnStar, you can push a button and actually have somebody available to send navigation information to your vehicle. I think that everybody has missed an opportunity. There are very few systems available that do a job as well as OnStar. So having been able to connect with somebody on the push of a button, be able to have emergency services if your airbags go off uh, there as well and also be able to get uh, directions just at the push of a button I think is excellent. Do you have to pay for it? You do. However in a lot of vehicles too that OnStar includes Wi-Fi and they give you a certain length when you buy the vehicle for free. That depends the change on uh, when you buy the vehicle what time of year where they're doing incentives usually it's around three months but some other vehicles uh, they give you data and services for free for longer depending on what sort of special they're doing. Is it better for you to have a button in your vehicle you can push to get immediate assistance. I mean, it's not that immediate. Uh, is that is that an important... I think, don't other oh, cars wait. have a emergency thing? Like if the car's in a crash? Sure. So they're starting to introduce them in luxury vehicles. But OnStar's been around for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time. It's only 10 years later plus that car companies are starting to catch up with GM's OnStar. I like the OnStar feature because you can call someone and you can get things like where's the service area and directions and stuff like that. But I also don't like that it's still turn by turn, isn't it? Well, it depends. Whether you, If you have navigation in the vehicle, it just sends the point to your navigation and then you use your internal navigation. If you don't have navigation, it gives you turn by turn directions on the inside of the car on the screen. Now, you may think that's complicated, but at the same time, you didn't pay that $2,000 for the navigation system and you're still getting navigation system on that. Okay, so that's cool. That's so I have a device called a cell phone and it does a lot of those <laughs> things for me. So Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, it does. It does those things, but what if you can't find somewhere? Do you have to pull over and then you have to start asking it questions? This is a great debate. What if you don't have service on your phone? I always have service. Everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah, but at the same time, OnStar uses a cell phone connection. So if you don't have cell, cell phone service, then you <laughs> right. are screwed? Yeah, I mean, it, it okay. uses a, be a good cell phone service, but it, it, it is a, basically a cell phone connection. I mean, it calls OnStar for you. So my dad has OnStar and he loves it. He uses it all the time. To me, it just takes so much time. I could pull it up on my cell phone in seconds when it took several minutes to go back and forth with the OnStar people. I know personally me i have a problem when i speak to the onstar people they don't necessarily understand what i'm saying they could guarantee that a text
Jackson would answer my call every time. George would, Bush would be I would reconsider <laughs> getting on Star. Can you understand my pain of having an English accent trying to talk to a car? No. Or it's, anything. It's it's I, I No, I can't understand your pain. I can't talk to any any car. System. I will I will sit in there and I will press the speech recognition button and I will say navigate to blah blah blah, blah and it goes tuning to one oh one exactly on, yeah. on the XM radio. I have not. I have not had the pleasure of that working out for me. Uh, in Texas, what what do you feel when people hear a Texan accent when you call OnStar? What are they thinking? Uh, they ask me to repeat a lot, and sometimes I get directions to the wrong place. Is this a tornado emergency? <laughs> I always imagine her saying, "Are you lost in the woods?" Most of Texas does not have tornadoes. I just imagine Texas having hurricanes and tornadoes and floods. We were we were there once, and I had five warnings in a night. Where were you at? San Antonio. Really? A tornado in San Antonio? It was coming up on He's our lying. phones. Nick was there. He's making it up. Nick was there. Yeah, it, it, we did, it was a bad storm. All right, when we return, we'll talk to our resident investment specialist and analyst, Anton Warman. We'll be talking about the future of new factories car companies joining forces to build car factories all over the world. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Well, welcome back. As every week, we like to spend some time talking to our, uh, we call him a mad scientist, but he's not really. He's an analyst and an investor and knows all about uh, especially autonomous cars, but uh, the latest models of electric cars and uh, apparently factories, too. So Anton Wallman joins us on the phone. Uh, Seeking Alpha is where you can read his stuff. Anton, let's talk a little bit about this joint factory thing that's going on. So uh, we just heard about Nissan and Mercedes, but they're not the first and they're not the only people to be working on new factories. Yeah, that's right. Uh, basically, we have a situation in which some companies are pairing together to share the costs of new factories that are being built. And we've got two recent examples. One example is a factory that just opened in Mexico. This is a factory in which Nissan, and Nissan is of course the owner of Infinity, it's a luxury brand division, has opened a new factory together with Mercedes. And in this factory, they've just started producing this new Infinity model called the QX50, which launches here in the United States in the next month or two. And uh, there will be a Mercedes model later in the year that starts production. And of course, this is a factory which has taken years to be built and now it's finally up and running and we also saw here in the beginning of january that toyota and mazda announced that they will jointly build a new factory in huntsville alabama and that this factory is going to start production in 2021 and in this factory they will make a uh, toyota corolla and they will also be making a future mazda suv but i think the most important message from all of this is that when when you hear an automaker talk about a new model that might be coming in the future, uh, but for which there is no factory yet, you have to understand that it takes a certain amount of time to plan for and to build an outfit and train a workforce of at least two, 3,000 people that will be working in a factory of this nature. So uh, roughly what we're talking about is three and a half years. You can probably guess that around the middle of 2021 is the absolute best case scenario. The 
earliest possible moment of a factory of that nature. So two to 3,000 jobs, that's a lot of jobs for an area. Are these good paying jobs? Well, uh, there are different types of jobs. On the one hand, you have the most basic assembly line functions. You basically help, uh, you know, sort of support a robot type creation to install a seat or a dashboard. Uh, depending on where you are, those jobs can pay less than $20 per hour, or they might pay paying almost twice as much. And then, of course, you have other jobs in a factory of that nature of more of engineering and management. And of course, those pay a lot more. And of course, on top of those things, you have uh, profit sharing plans, stock ownership and so forth. So it's not as easy to say that the lowest end of these uh, jobs pays as little as say uh, 14 or $17 an hour and you multiply it by the number of hours and then that's it. It's typically something more that sweetens the pot beyond that. Uh, one question I want to ask you just before we go to break, Anton, do you think that because Mazda are reaching about their capacity of production and Toyota have now been investing in Mazda, do you think eventually that uh, this is going to lead to Toyota buying Mazda? I don't think so because, you know, there are antitrust considerations in Japan and so forth. But it is certainly true that these two companies first signed a joint research and development agreement uh, about two years ago. And then just about six months ago, they signed an agreement in which they bought bought a small piece of stock in each other's company, really to further solidify uh, their partnership going forward. All right, Anton, uh, stand by. We're going to come back. I want to talk more about these uh, joint ventures between these companies and get an update on EV vehicles that are coming soon. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Still talking to Anton Wallman, who is our uh, special investor and analyst, talking about uh, car companies and their marriages. So Mercedes uh, get together with Infinity. They have already the uh, a vehicle out on the market, which is an Infinity Mercedes blend, isn't it? Well, yeah, so Mercedes and um, Infinity have partnered previously with a model that came out about 18 months ago called the QX. This is a model uh, that Infinity makes in the UK, in England, and Mercedes makes its variant of said vehicle in Germany, and it's called the GLA. The engine to both of these vehicles is actually made by Nissan in Tennessee and exported to Europe. So that was really the first leg of the partnership between these two companies. And the second leg, which is presently being put into motion with the production of the Infinity QX50, just started production here in the last month or so and will be finding itself into U.S. retail dealerships here no later than the month of March is really the second stage of the cooperation between these two companies. Mercedes will have a model, which they have not yet said what it's going to be, but it is expected that this model will be manufactured in this plant starting later this year. And uh, we are on pins and needles here in order to uh, learn from Mercedes as to what this model will be. I don't know this at this time, but uh, think about it. 
about it, it will be really the first model from Mercedes to be made in Mexico, just like this was the first model uh, from Infiniti that's made in Mexico as well. So along the lines of Infiniti's QX50, which is this sort of midsize SUV, so somewhere between the C and the, the C-Class, the GLC and the GLE, right? Well, we don't know. I mean, Mercedes simply hasn't said what they will build in this factory. If we draw the analogy with the joint Toyota-Mazda factory that uh, is going to be built here over the next couple of years in Huntsville, Alabama, the two vehicles that will be built in that uh, factory, namely the next-generation Toyota Corolla and a, uh, a next-generation SUV from Mazda, those are clearly not the same vehicle class at all. Uh, as a result, I cannot simply take it for granted that this model that Mercedes will be making in the joint factory with Infiniti in Mexico will be a uh, even a close cousin uh, with the Infiniti QX50 at all. It could be something completely different. We, uh, I just wouldn't assume one way or the other there. Let's talk about historically. Car companies often get into these marriages, Honda and Ford with the Prelude and things like this years ago, but they only seem to last a couple of models. Uh, people don't tend to make more than two or three models together or have this sort of cooperation. Does this paint a picture that they'll do it for a few cars, they'll do it for a few factories, uh, and then it'll sort of disperse? I know that uh, you, you know you had Subaru and, and Toyota working together in the Indiana plant for a while, which was actually owned by Subaru, but after a while, the Subaru said they couldn't produce the uh, Camry anymore. Yeah, keep in mind that uh, you know we're dealing with a variety of special situations. In the case of, say, Subaru and Toyota, keep in mind that Subaru has now undergone almost a decade worth of unbelievable sales success, where they've been growing sales every year, and they really needed that capacity uh, and had to take it away from Toyota, which in turn put pressure on Toyota to move things around. And now, of course, Toyota is responding to it all by engaging in this uh, joint venture factory together with uh, uh, Mazda and Alabama. So, you know, when moving the Corolla production from Canada to Alabama, that leaves Toyota more space to make RAV4s and even the uh, Lexus RX in their Canadian factories. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, production lines for these vehicles. Uh, for instance, uh, Mazda and Toyota both have EVs on the market. Are they going to work together on those, producing those in the same factory? Well, so what's happening there is that Mazda has engineered its own electric vehicle that we will see on the market in late 2019. So, you know, as little as about 18 months from now. Uh, that is something that Mazda has made on its own. Mazda has also entered into a development agreement with Toyota and uh, one of their main suppliers, Denso, uh, to develop their a next generation electric vehicle that will be out in 2021. So that will be a joint development between Toyota and Mazda. And we will see that, of course, uh, later in 2021. All right, Anton, when we return, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how confusing the uh, the Tesla production is, because I'm, I'm now completely confused by how they're doing that. Uh, you're listening to Anton Warman. He is an analyst and also an expert on EVs. Uh, we'll be coming back with some updates on the Tesla Model 3. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. 
Welcome back. We're with Anton Wallman talking about uh, investment in cars and new factories for Toyota, Mazda, and along with Infiniti and Mercedes-Benz. But Anton, we always like to get an update from you on Tesla Model 3s. Now, one of the things that you've started to notice is uh, from the initial orders of possibly about uh, half a million people, it looks like that Tesla, um, it's very confusing about who's receiving their cars first, isn't it? That's right. So Tesla started out by delivering the Model 3 to its own employees. And uh, just before Christmas, they started delivering uh, Model 3 to non-employees. And among the non-employees, they had essentially said two things. First of all, the people who already owned a Model S or a Model X would get priority. And also they would be moving from west to east inside the United States. So you basically lived in California, Oregon, or the state of Washington, you'd be getting your cars first, and then eventually you'd be ending up on the East Coast. So now what we're finding is that the people who uh, already own a Model S or a Model X, but did not uh, place a deposit on the first day, or even the second or third day that it was available. Remember, they started up with these deposits on the 31st, of March of 2016, almost two years ago. And on the very first day, Tesla reported that they had, I think the number was about 180,000 deposits before that evening was over. And uh, within the next handful of days, within the next week or so, they were already approaching a quarter million deposits, so 250,000 or thereabouts. The reality is that we are in fact now seeing some people who did not reserve the car on day one or even day two or day three being invited to take delivery of the car in the next month or so. And that certainly poses the question, how many of these deposits are actually converting into a sale at this point? Now, the other side of the coin here is that, of course, not all versions of the Model 3 are yet available. For example, the much vaunted $35,000, which is really $36,000 when you include the mandatory $1,000 delivery charge. And of course, there's another $1,000 if you don't want it in black. But never mind. Um, if you want that model, you can still not order that version. You have to order one that's minimum $50,000 if you want the car right now. Uh, also, there is not yet an all-wheel drive version available at any price, and that is expected to come uh, become available here very, very soon within the next month or two or three. But so basically, if you don't want really the cheapest version of the Model 3 or you don't want the all-wheel drive one, you can order one right now and, and basically get delivery. So uh, if, this is something we really have to monitor because if a lot of people uh, who did place a deposit simply aren't taking delivery of it, then that could be a bit of an issue for the company. And the company has not been very transparent with the way uh, in which it has said how many people uh, from which geography uh, uh, really placed an order or an interest in uh, this or that version of the Model 3. So I think that's going to become a very important uh, issue here to monitor in the very near future over the next month or two. All right, Anton. Well, um, I'm still a little bit confused by how uh, Tesla are not so transparent. They seem to be getting uh, getting a lot of information uh, or giving very little information out. I guess as time goes on, uh, as more, the, more of the Tesla Model 3s roll out, we'll get a better picture. If people want to catch up with Anton Wallman, where can we find your info? Seekingalpha.com. That's where I publish most of my writings. 
keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Of course, you can always uh, check out everything that we do at ourautoexpert.com. There, all the information is about the cars that we've been test driving. Also, you can look at some of the future models that are coming out and see all of our videos on the website. Uh, We have had an enjoyable time talking about cars, trucks, SUVs, some of the new ones coming out. Uh, Next week, we're going to have some very cool guests on to talk about future product. Uh, We're also going to be talking about some of the new product, which you should see in dealers very soon. And it's it's interesting as this show progresses forward and we learn a little bit more about the character, about uh, where you guys fall. Jen, clearly a truck person. Uh, uh, Megan, clearly a mommy blogger. Chris, clearly crazy. And Ryan, no clue because he chose the minivan out of all of the vehicles to drive. So. I don't think I'm the crazy one. Yeah, well, not as crazy as Ryan. Has anybody been in the new Pacifica? No, oh, I've been in the new Pacifica. I have. Uh, that, that's one to love. It was a minivan. Uh, we will be back next week at the same time with more on ourautoexpert.com, the website. And, of course, check us out all week long, 24-7. Stay connected. Stay informed. This is Como News.